Not as I see fit, but as he sees fit. And let me say this, he is blessed. We have want for nothing. And so what I mean by that is like he provides all our needs. Now, do I want an extra large, cool diesel 4x4 dually truck? Heck yeah. Do I need it? No. I don't need it. So the Lord will always provide our needs. You might want steak and lobster, but guess what? Beans and rice and Jesus Christ is just as good. You go to bed with a full tummy. wealthy culture, it's easy to forget the difference between luxury and necessity. You get so accustomed to the conveniences and comforts that when you're forced to ration or downsize your living, you feel like you're really suffering despite the fact that you still have more than the vast majority of people in our world. As Pastor Mark continues to lead us through Nehemiah in today's message, he challenges us to learn what it means to depend on God for your fulfillment. Don't look to the luxuries of life for contentment. God will provide for your needs and you can find complete joy in Jesus Christ alone. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of Nehemiah chapter 5 for today's edition of Come Alive. Nehemiah chapter 5, as we move on through our verse-by-verse study of Nehemiah, one of the things I want you to notice in this is, you know, they're building a wall. And throughout history uh, of architecture, attempts have been made to always take an ordinary building. And when you really think about it, I love looking at buildings and I love looking at architecture because it's kind of... It's a very basic thing, as, as complicated as it is. And so, and what I mean by that is, when you think about it, everything, people have taken these, these buildings and they've made them extraordinary in some way. They've taken imaginative journeys using stone or wood to create different artistic styles from very flamboyant to simplistic and rustic. But some are like a baker. You know, when you think about it, these designers, before an undecorated cake, if anybody's ever watched Cake Boss or any of those shows, I'm always blown away that you can take just this sweetened bread and you can do these amazing things with it. They are artists before a blank canvas. So what an architect will do is sometimes, and you can see it in the old cathedrals, they'll try to bring heightened beauty to a building. You'll see the big steeples reaching to heaven, and that's man's way of trying to reach God. And and we know that that's not true because we know that God reaches down to man if we have the correct perspective. But if you think about it, our architects are faced with basically just a box shape or a rectangle, and they try to improve upon it by adding embellishments and adornments to that uh, or maybe minimalizing it. It was in reaching for grandeur or trying to beautify a hopelessly plain structure that facades became so popular. I find it very interesting that whether it's a general store in Round Top, Texas, or a swanky club in New York or L.A., the street side of that building is always the one that gets all the attention. The designer as well as the public are only really concerned with the front. Well, when you walk around a corner or you go into a back alley, 
Well, guess what? It all looks the same. They're just square boxes. Today, we're going to notice that part, kind of wait, partway through Nehemiah, uh, his building project, it, it became apparent that security against the hostile neighbors was not the only issue threatening Jerusalem. And Nehemiah was confronted with complaints, not from Persia, but against the fe- his fellow Jews. It was this infighting that came about. Uh, let me first tell you what a building wall does. When you build a wall, it provides a false front because if behind that wall the community was fractured and filled with infighting, well, let me just say this, stones, brick, and mortar provide little defense against the disintegration of social justice. So you can have a wall and we can be protected from the elements, but if there's infighting inside of this building and nagging and gossip and all of that stuff and and short tempers and short fuses well, between us then, well, the walls do no good to protect us against what's on the outside. And so the last few weeks, we've witnessed how Nehemiah faced two common forms of opposition, ridicule and the threat of violence. Number one was the ridicule, and the second thing was the threat of violence. See, when ridicule fails, then comes the threat of violence. And neither make life comfortable, but Nehemiah did the right thing. What he did, he took it to God looking for vindication, and he kept on building, he kept on working. So here in chapter 5, there's this new tone of opposition. Look at verse 1 with me. It says, And there was a great outcry of the people and their wives against their Jewish brethren. For there were those who said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore, let us get grain that we may eat and live. A great outcry of the people. You know, what can stop the work? What can stop God's work is the great outcry of the people. Chapter 4 ended on a note of great victory. The people of God were doing the work of God and they did it despite all obstacles. They worked with a sword in one hand and a plow or a trowel in the other and they would not let the enemy's plan stop them. Uh, But it's in this part of the Bible that we see in part of Nehemiah in chapter 5 that there's no mention uh, of working on the wall at all. There's no indication of it, that the work had continued. What we do see, what we can assume, because there's no mention of the working, is that the work had actually stopped. And that's what happens when there's infighting inside of the church, inside of the home. The work stops. Now, you might think to yourself, well, what's the work inside of my home? The work inside of your home is the same as the work inside of the church. If you call yourself a Christian and you have a Christian marriage, then your marriage should preach the gospel. You'd think, well, I don't know. How do you figure? Well, here's how I figure. Because if marriage points to the bride and the bridegroom, right? That's what you are, a husband and a wife, a bride and a bridegroom. And Jesus Christ says he's the bridegroom and the church is his bride, then we should constantly be preaching the gospel, pointing to Jesus Christ. So again, the work had stopped because of infighting. But again, notice who the strife is with. It says against their Jewish brethren. Highlight that, circle that, whatever you do if you're a note taker. The work stopped because of strife among God's people. The enemy... He couldn't stop the work. He tried. Many times he tried, but he couldn't stop the work. So God's people were, well, prior to this, they were unified and working together. 
But now all of a sudden, a great outcry of the people, it says, and their wives against their Jewish brethren meant one group fought against another group. Oh, when God's people fight one another, they certainly are not fighting the enemy, the real enemy, nor are they getting God's work done. It comes to a halt. Look with me at verse 2. Verse 2 says, For there were those who said, We are sons and our daughters are many, therefore let us get grain that we may eat and live. There were also some who said, We have mortgaged our lands and our vineyards and houses that we might buy grain because of the famine. There were also those who said, We have borrowed money for the king's tax on our lands and vineyards. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren and our children as their children. And indeed, we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have been brought into slavery. It is not in our power to redeem them, for the men have our lands and our vineyards. When we read this, we can see that there's a problem, money problems. Anybody ever had a money problem? None of you have? There should be more money in that box than if you haven't. I'm kidding. Yeah, we've all had money problems. We've all had it. I remember when I got my first checking account. I thought, as long as there's checks, there's money. That's not true. As long as there's checks, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's always money in the bank. Because you have to, well, it's called adding and subtracting. You put in $100, that doesn't mean you can write 100 checks for $100. But I wasn't smart enough to realize that. See, Nehemiah is not primarily a book about money. It's a book about rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem and bringing God's people into a place of peace, security, and blessing. Yet, the money problems directly affected the rebuilding work. See, most of the time, money problems affect a building project because there isn't enough money to do the work. But the job of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem seems to have been paid for by the king of Persia. And we know this because we can go back to Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 8, and say, okay, yeah, he did that. He, he, he provided money for this. And he also sent Nehemiah with some royal guards back in verse 9 of chapter 1. So Nehemiah's money problems were different. They were different. They were money problems among the people. The people had money problems, and that harmed the unity of the people of God. It says, let us get grain for them that we may eat. It's what they said. The people had money problems because they had worked hard on all these walls. They didn't spend the same time providing for their needs of the household. Uh, They took care of the bigger issue at hand. And so some of us might think, well, shouldn't God bless us? If I work very hard, shouldn't he bless? Uh, Because there's these verses in the Bible that say that. Well, be careful. Be careful. Let let me say this. Uh, I, when when, after the Harvey had hit, I'd taken about three to four weeks and and didn't work at all. I just mucked out houses. And, And so I knew that I would have to come to a point where it had to stop going on for the three weeks in a row or whatever it was. But I knew that there would be some money problems. My family and I, if you walk up to one of my kids and you say, and just say this phrase, beans and rice, they'll finish it with Jesus Christ. Because we have a motto in our house, when money gets lean, we say beans and rice and Jesus Christ. That's what we eat. We literally eat beans and rice because you can mix many different meats with it and Eventually, you get so tired of it, everybody starts to eat less and less of it. 
And, and then the money comes back, and then we go and, and buy the groceries we need. But if you want to spend much time directly ministering to the needs of God's people and spreading the gospel, it, you can, but it can also affect your ability to provide for your family. So my theory is this, go minister, go do the work. You may have to work later or an extra day, and that's one of those things I had to do. I had to, after I finished mucking out houses, I had to go in the evening and, and, and do some work until about seven or eight until the sun went down. I had to, uh, my family, my friends who would come and visit, who came from out of town, uh, it would suffer with my fellowship with my friends and family. So my theory is this, go minister, do the work. Yeah, but like I said, be willing also to work harder and later or an extra day. And so, you know, again, it's one of those things. I make no money unless I'm out selling. I have a 100% commission-based job. So if I'm not selling, I'm not providing for my family. So I have to do that on the free times, the times it would be like, oh, man, that recliner's looking good or that Saturday's going to be awesome. So I usually will take the time in the evenings for going time with family and friends, but also know that God will bless it as he sees fit. Not as I see fit, but as he sees fit. And let me say this, he is blessed. We have want for nothing. And so what I mean by that is like he provides all our needs. Now, do I want an extra large, cool diesel 4x4 dually truck? Heck yeah. Do I need it? No, I don't need it. So the Lord will always provide our needs. You might want steak and lobster, but guess what? Beans and rice and Jesus Christ is just as good. You go to bed with a full tummy. See, ministry takes time, and the time you spend on ministry, again, is time that you're not making money. If one gets to that place where the ministry is your way of making a living, that's awesome. I have friends that are full-time pastors, and they make money doing it. They don't make a ton of money. They, they don't live above the, the average of their fellowship, but one should be used not to making a lot of money if that's the case. I was always told, don't get used to making a lot of money. And if you get used to making a ton of money, then you might want to keep your job and, and stay because that'll be a lifestyle that, you know, maybe your church won't be able to afford you. So that's okay. So the transition will be rather difficult if one person goes from a million-dollar job to pastoring a church of 100 people, unless those are the richest people in the neighborhood. Another reason there was complaints was because of the famine. See, people had money problems because there was a famine which made food more expensive, right? So we know certain things happen. We, we saw right after Harvey, what did cast prices do? They went up. It cost more money to drive down the road. And so those things will happen. There was a uh, not a real gas famine, but there was this famine of, you know, hey, it costs a lot of money. A lot of gas stations had to close down. They got water in the gas for whatever reason. It was expensive. And so when there's a famine, it gets so expensive. And here in Nehemiah, we see that it got so expensive that some of these people mortgaged their property to provide food. A famine's no one's fault. Uh, financial problems people face are really not the fault of anyone sometimes. Sometimes they are. They're bad business decisions or uh, extension on credit or living outside of your means. You've got to be careful. But uh, for the most part, Harvey wasn't really anyone's fault. I, you can't blame me for it. Just because I was praying for hailstorms and we got a flood doesn't mean it was my fault. See, there, there may be a fault in how the problems are addressed, though. For It says, for the king's tax. Look at that. 
the king's tax. People had money problems also because the government kept taxing them even though they weren't working as much or even though the cost of living went up. I had to make a phone call for the first time and gosh, I don't ever think I had it. my phone bill came due and I called him. I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not able to pay this right now. One of my checks is held up somewhere. It was mailed to me and it got held up somewhere. And so can I get an extension? And the lady goes, were you affected by Harvey? And I said, well, it depends on what your definition of effect means. And she goes, did your house flood? I said, no. She goes, well, I don't know if we can help you. I said, well, would it help if my office flooded? And she said, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, then my office flooded, which it did. We were shut down for a couple of days. The office that my boss works out of, I don't work out of that office, but my boss does, and he's the guy that writes the checks. It was flooded. Our other office in Rockport was torn apart. And so I I got an extension on my phone bill. Uh, And so those things will happen. But, you know, it's it's hard because you're sitting there and you're like, man, I didn't get a... I didn't get my check on time, and it's kind of lost in the mail, and Lord, please let it show up at some point in time. See, those things happen. And then there's the taxes. And so I'd ask the lady, I said, hey, can you guys get rid of the taxes and stuff, you know, just trying to get some extra? And she was like, yeah, right. And I was like, yeah, I just, you know, I know. See, the taxes are not the fault of those who were hurt by them either. Neither Nehemiah or the people acted as if these taxes were unfair. You notice they, they're not saying they're unfair. They're just saying that the taxes are due. There's still a hardship. You and I still have hardships. You know, it's like if you tell somebody you're going to pay them something, hopefully you're a man of your word or a woman of your word. You let your yes be yes and your no, no, and you pay them. But sometimes... You might have to miss the due date. Just make sure you call and explain the situation without lying. And then look what it says. It says, we have borrowed money. Indeed, we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. Let me say this. Borrowing money sometimes is is not the best idea. It's not the best idea. Pray about it before you ever take out a payday loan or any of those crazy things. I wouldn't, I'd just stay away from it. But, you know, pray about it first. Yeah, we all take out a loan, the house, the car. Uh, those are things you kind of need, and nobody that I know has one hundred and eighty to $300,000 just sitting around. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those things where when people come to me and they ask me about a house, and they're like, well, how much of a down payment? I'm like, if you don't have to put one, you don't, I wouldn't do it. Why? Well, that's $10,000 you can use for other stuff that you're taking out a 30-year loan. Is it your last stop? Yeah. Why? Oh, why spend 10000 bucks up front? See if you can get it tacked on there to zero down payment or whatever. But people had financial problems because of the loans they had taken out to live had cost some interest, and some were in default. Therefore, some had to give their children as servants to their lenders to pay off their debt. You know, some of the kids these days, you give one of your kids to the lenders, and they'll be like, dude, you owe me more money. <laughs> I was that kid. My dad, if he ever loaned me out to anyone, he was like, I don't know how I wind up owing these people more money. Like, oh, I'm that guy, Dad. I just I eat all his food in the refrigerator. The guy turned his back and I got hungry. So therefore, some of those people had to give up their children as servants. Pretty sad little thing when you think about it. It'll be indicated later in verse 11, which will be next week, but it says the hundredth part. See, the rich were taking advantage of the crisis, though. They were making money off of the poor and charging a 12% interest a year, which is, 
It's not unusual for money problems to create strife and completely disrupt what God wants to do. I've seen it before where churches want to do a building and the government, the city governments are like, okay, cool, and they permit tax you to death. We need a permit for this. And then they come in and they're like, oh, you know what? This is a sanctuary? Yeah, it's a sanctuary. Well, let me, let me just tell you this. I'm on the board of a church that had, had this problem. Yeah, you know, our, our city has a sanctuary tax. A sanctuary tax? Yeah. So we got together as a board and somebody said, well, what do we do? I said, hang a basketball goal in your sanctuary. And they're like, seriously? I was like, yeah, and then call it a multi-purpose room. And so they did. They put some carpet down that looked like a free throw line and stuff and called it a multi-purpose room. You know what the city said? Well, we don't have a multi-purpose room tax. And my friend was like, well, how do you know that? And I was like, because I've read about other churches doing it. I figure you could do it as well. Sanctuary tax. You know, pretty soon, you know, you'll build it and you'll be like, well, is it a multi-purpose? I've always learned if they ask you the question and your answer is yes, there's going to be a tax on that. So you've got to be quick to figure out multi-purpose could mean something. Oh, no, that's our cafeteria area with a stage. In case people want to walk up on the stage and get food and show off, play the chicken and then walk down at the potluck. There's ways around stuff. I mean, we got to be smart. The Lord didn't give us our brains just to take them out and play with them every now and then, right? So if Nehemiah and his people did not find a way to do what God wanted them to do with their money and their money problems, the work of God would be stopped without a single arrow being fired by the enemies of God. See, that's what God's enemies want to do. They just want to stop the work. Satan wants to stop the work. Satan doesn't want the work of the family, doesn't want your marriage to be seen as good. He'd rather put us all in debt and give us the wants, and we want ourselves into bankruptcy. We want to look cool. We want to have the newest and latest and the greatest car. You know, I mean, as long as it gets you from point A to point B without walking, you're doing good. And so, you know, you got to be careful. We sometimes want to separate what we do with our money from our walk with God. And that's a huge deception of Satan. Let me say that. Because when you think about it, every good and perfect gift comes from God. And so money, some people look at it as the best and all-time perfect gift. But we know Jesus Christ is. But again, don't separate what you do with your money from your walk with God. You know, people, there's that saying, if I look at your checkbook register, I can tell you how closely knit your walk with God is. What you purchase says a lot about you. Buying a house is a spiritual decision, whether you like it or not. Every time you open the Bible, you witness God stepping into situations that seem difficult and even hopeless. He takes those times of insecurity and people of little courage and creates warriors, building good up where evil had taken control. In Nehemiah, you've been witnessing this same story as God has led his people to rebuild the wall around their city. God had promised to restore Israel, and he kept his word. If God did this for his people time and time again, doesn't it hold true that he'll do that for you as well? God still makes promises today, and he continues to fulfill them. We're so glad you joined us today for Come Alive. You can hear more teachings from Pastor Mark at ComeAliveRadio.com or join us next time to continue studying Nehemiah. Before we end our time with you, though, Tracy has a request to share. 
Here at Come Alive, we want to make sure we're following God, not what other people around us are saying. With everything we do, we want to honor our Creator and point people to salvation. That's where you come in. We'd appreciate your prayers for Pastor Mark and all of us here at Come Alive. Would you lift us up to the Lord each time you listen to our program? Thank you for interceding on our behalf. Would you consider donating to Come Alive too? Any amount is helpful, and you can easily donate by texting 77977. That's 77977. Thanks so much for prayerfully considering this, and thanks for tuning in for today's edition of Come Alive. Some slaves are what we want.